The reading will be from the first book, first chapter of Joshua, starting in the sixth verse. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead the people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Do not, but be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross Jordan here, Go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Good morning. It's good to see everyone out with us this morning. I'm so thankful that you're here, and I'm thankful for the opportunity we've been given to assemble together as God's people and open up his word and to study from it now. And that's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Judges. And once you get there, you're not going to have to move very much. We're going to be in Judges chapter 2, a little bit in chapter 3, for the entirety of our time this morning. The, in the children's classes right now, they're studying through the book of, of Judges. And so as I've done the lessons with our girls lately, the stories of Judges have been on my mind. And there are some fascinating stories contained in the book of Judges. But what I want to do this morning is really look at the beginning uh, of Judges that really sets the stage for the tumultuous time that the Israelites experience over the course of the stories contained within the book of Judges. And so turn with me to Judges chapter 2. We're going to begin by reading verses 7 through 10 together of Judges chapter 2. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath-Herez in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. This is a pretty well-known passage of Scripture. And it's well known because of how sad it is to think about. When you think about Joshua and what he did for the people, and even before Joshua, you think about Moses and 
and the great courage that he displayed. And you think about the directive that God gave to Joshua that was just read for us in Joshua chapter 1. You be strong and courageous and you lead the people so that I can fulfill my promise of giving them a land through you and through your leadership. And Joshua does that. He leads them into the promised land. And his leadership and his, his devotion to God is evident throughout that entire process and throughout his entire life. Wonderful, amazing things happened because of his leadership and his devotion to God as God fulfilled promises to the people of Israel. And you think about Moses and you think about everything that happened when he was leading the people, leading them out of Egyptian bondage, the parting of the Red Sea, the provision that God provided to the people as they wandered in the wilderness. I think about Joshua watching as the walls of Jericho fell miraculously by the hand of God. You think about the time period and the amazing things that happened from the time the people left Egypt until where they are as Joshua leads them into the promised land. So many just mind-blowing events took place during that time period. And Joshua and those of his generation were witness to some of that. Not all of that, but they were witness to some of that. And then they died. And then there rose up a generation that hadn't witnessed that. By no fault of their own. They didn't see the walls of Jericho fall. They didn't see the waters part. They didn't watch God destroy their enemies as they marched towards the promised land. They weren't witness to that. Their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, they, they saw that. Not, not this generation. They didn't witness that. And as a result of not witnessing it and not being reminded of it, a generation rose up that didn't know God. And so this morning, I want to talk about the importance of preserving God's history. I want to talk about how vital it is that we teach our children not just the facts of the Bible, it's great that they can say the books of the Bible and you know, my girls can sing the songs that name all of the judges and all of the sons of Israel. And th- those, those things have their place and there is some value to them, but that, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about making sure that they see the power of God. Because a generation that doesn't see the power of God is a generation that doesn't know God. And while certainly the, the big macro lesson contained in Judges chapter 2 refers to generational change, I think the same can be said on a very micro level within our own lives. Are, are you here this morning because that's what you're supposed to do on Sunday morning? Are you here this morning because you were raised to going to church? You're raised to go to church on Sunday morning? Are you opening up your Bible because now it's time for the sermon, and so I've got to find where we're going to be looking at this morning. 
Are, are you going through the motions? Are you doing it because that's what you're supposed to do? Or are you doing these things because you have seen the power of God in your life? And there's a big difference in those two things. And we see it perhaps as clearly as anywhere here in Judges chapter 2. Because I have to imagine that the generation that grows up in Judges chapter 2 could tell you how they got where they are. I have to imagine that they could tell you about some of the things that had happened over the last generation or two. I have to imagine, just like we study history, they also had some idea of the time that their ancestors spent in Egypt and and how they wandered in the wilderness and how they, they got to the promised land. I'm sure historically they were able to quote some of those things back to you. But it's very evident that those things meant nothing to them. They meant nothing to them. And so the question that I want us to think about this morning is how do we, within our own lives, within the lives of our children, generation to generation, how do we make sure that we see and internalize the power of God and the power that he has had in our lives, changing us and the power that he can have in the lives of others? What can we do to make sure We don't raise our children to be great Bible students, but have no idea who God truly is. And there's really just a couple of things that I want to point out to us that I think the story here in Judges 2 and Judges 3 can help us with. And the first one is this. I think we're going to see, we often talk about the story of Judges being a cycle Right? There's a cyclical nature to the events that take place uh, throughout the book of Judges. But I want you to recognize that cycle repeats because the behavior repeats. The, the cycle that we see the people of Israel going through, and honestly the cycle that we sometimes can go through in our lives today, those cycles repeat themselves because behaviors repeat themselves. Think about this quote for just a moment. This is one of my... One of my favorite quotes, and it's, it's originally attributed to an author named Michael Hopf, although I've, I've seen different variations of it uh, all over the place. But he wrote originally in his book that hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. <clears throat> and weak men create hard times. There is so much truth to that very simple approach to the cycles that we see generations going through, but also that we can sometimes fall into ourselves within our own lives. When you think about Moses and you think about Joshua, you think about Aaron, you think about the leadership, Caleb, the others that that led the people of Israel to where they were, were those were some strong, dedicated men. Their faith, their faith stood the tests of time. They were devoted to God. And through God's grace and their leadership, the people of Israel have come to the promised land. And guess what? There were some easy times after that. They were there. They'd arrived. 
The land was relatively at peace for a period of time. They weren't wandering in the wilderness anymore. They weren't having to go out and gather manna in the mornings. They had arrived. They had been given land. They could farm. They could build houses. They could have families. They were there. And what did those easy times lead to? It led to a very weak generation. Because during those quote-unquote easy times, there weren't people reminding them how they got those easy times. There weren't people reminding them of what God had done for them, how he led them out of Egypt, how he killed the firstborn of the Egyptians that ultimately led them out of Egypt for good. He didn't, they weren't reminded of the fear that they felt as they stood at the Red Sea and saw the Egyptian army coming towards them. And they were defenseless. And God parts the Red Sea miraculously and then brings it back over the Egyptians. They weren't being reminded. God's history wasn't being preserved for them. It didn't mean anything to them. And when God's history doesn't mean anything to us, then the behaviors repeat that lead to tough times. And so those strong men of the generations gone by that had led the people of Israel to where they were at the beginning of Judges, a generation of very weak, spiritually speaking, weak people had been raised up one of those weak people create some hard times. And there's the story of judges. As they recognize they don't need God. They don't, they don't need him anymore. We're here. There's, not, there's, nothing, there's nothing left for him to do. We don't, we don't need him anymore. The reliance that they had felt on him and the generations gone by, they don't need that anymore. Look in Judges chapter 3, because as God looks down and he sees what's happening in this generation, and of course we know what begins to happen throughout the story of the Judges, as God will raise up nations to come and and to do battle with the people of Israel and take them captive, and he will then, after a period of time, as the people reach out to God, he'll raise up a judge for them to bring them back. But here's at the very outset of this, I want you to listen I want you to listen to what God recognizes as a problem for these people. Beginning in chapter 1 of verse, of, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the ch- children of Israel might be taught to know war at least those who had not formerly known it. Now think about that for a second. Why, why on earth would these people need to know war? Isn't, isn't peace what we should all be, be looking forward to? In peace, shouldn't that be our end goal? Yes. <laughs> the answer to that question is yes. We should strive for peace. But what God looked down and saw 
is he saw a generation that didn't know hardship at all. And a generation that doesn't know hardship at all has no reliance upon God because in their minds they have no need of anything. And so God said, I'm going to teach these people war because they need to learn the lesson that comes with it. I think about how I apply that to to my life, but but more, at least in my way of thinking of it, I'm thinking about how I apply that to the lives of my children. Listen, if we're going to be honest for just a moment, our children are growing up in relatively, relatively, mind you, relatively easy times. And it's my job as a parent to make sure they know hardship. Because that hardship is going to teach them reliance upon God. Now, I'm not saying we have, to, we have to go to war. I'm not even saying that we have to manufacture hardships in their lives. In fact, the beauty of it is that through God's history, if we preserve that in our homes and in our families, we can learn those lessons by looking at the examples of those gone, by, gone, gone before us. In fact, that's exactly what God wanted to happen. If you flip back just a couple of pages to Joshua chapter 4, This is exactly what God was wanting to happen for the people. He saw this as a potential pitfall. So in Joshua chapter 4, as the people were crossing over the Jordan River, look with me beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So God knew that there was a time coming a generation coming that wasn't going to see and witness this firsthand. They weren't going to experience the Jordan River being parted and so the people could cross. And so he gave instructions. Set up memorials so that when they ask about this, you can tell them not what happened. Did you catch the wording there? You can tell them what this means to you. That may seem like a small difference between telling them what happened and telling them what it means to them, but it couldn't be a bigger difference. Because what we see in in Judges chapter 2 is a generation that had simply told them what it was, not what it meant. And so as parents, we we have to teach our children what, what God's history and what he has done for us and for his church, what that means to us. 
If, if you are a Christian, then, then you have felt the weight of sin in your life. And you have felt the freedom that, that is provided to you through baptism as those sins are washed away. You've experienced that. You've, you've felt the weight of sin being lifted off of your shoulders. You, you, have, you have experienced firsthand what Jesus' sacrifice has done for you and what it means to be brought back into the perfect relationship with Him that we were created to have. As a Christian, you've experienced that. We need to make sure that our children understand that. They, they, as they grow, help them feel the weight of sin. Help them recognize what Christ's sacrifice means for them. Allow them to experience those things so that it means something to them. I think sometimes this is, this is even perhaps something as you raise children in the church, quote-unquote, as, as, that, as that happens, this is something that we have to be particularly mindful of. Because it, it is quite easy to, to raise children simply to know all of the facts. They, they, can, they can quote verses and they can tell you everything about, about Scripture, it seems like, by the time they're eight or nine years old. It's amazing. And it's a wonderful thing. But as they grow, as parents, it's our responsibility to take all of that knowledge that they're, that they're learning and to channel that into meaning in their lives. Because a generation that understands what all of this means is a generation that will not leave the Lord. And certainly this application is easy and most direct to parents and the raising of children. But, but I hope that we can see the, the application to us personally as well. Because even, as I mentioned a moment ago, even within our own lives, we can go through cycles not too different from what we see happening in the book of Judges. But perhaps as, as you became a Christian for the first time, you, you had gone through those hard times. And you had felt the weight of sin. And it brought you to the cross. And to obedience and baptism to Christ. And you, and you felt the weight of sin being lifted. And that, that was, you think back to that moment, perhaps that's just an amazing experience for you to think back to. <clears throat> but maybe after that, maybe even some time after that, maybe even years after that, you if you look back, you realize you have let the meaning of those things lose the impact in your life that it once had. And maybe the zeal that you once felt has begun to wane. What are the behaviors that you need to identify and change to reignite that fire in your life? I think it all comes back, it all comes back to spending time with God and in God's word and allowing it to truly mean something to us. If you're sitting here this morning 
as a child of God's, forgiven of your sins, saved. If you think about that deeply, meditate upon that, 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 should, if it, that should light a fire in you to do your part in maintaining that through your life, but also helping those who come behind you to kindle that fire and to keep that flame burning bright in their lives as they grow and as they develop and as they go through the same experiences in their lives that you've gone through in yours. There's great personal application here. There's great generational application here. But it's important at the end of the day, excuse me, I really left you on a cliffhanger there, didn't I? It's important at the end of the day that we make sure in our lives, in the lives of our children and generations to come, we do everything that we can to make sure that we see God's power and that we experience it like he wants us to. The events of the Old Testament, we're, we're not, we're not going to be privy to seeing those firsthand. But they can still have deep, meaningful impact to me today. And that's what God calls us to do. And that deep, meaningful impact of the Scripture is what's going to keep us close to him during difficult times. It's going to allow us to see it through the eyes of Scripture, to believe it, and ultimately to allow it to change our lives. I want to see that in the lives of my children as they grow. I want to see that fire burning in everyone here this morning. We have to experience it. A few years ago now, I'm going to tell a story on my children, and I I didn't tell them about this beforehand, but a few years ago now, as they were younger, quite younger than than what they are now, I remember, as probably a lot of parents here are going to relate to this, as they were going through the Christmas season as very young children, and as happens with young children, as parents, we want to buy them Christmas presents, and Grandparents want to buy them Christmas presents, and great-grandparents want to buy them Christmas presents, and aunts and uncles want to buy them Christmas presents, and great-aunts, and the list goes on and on and on. And you get a few weeks into the the Christmas season, and all of a sudden you look at your children as they're opening up a present, and you realize this really doesn't mean much to them. It doesn't mean much to them because this is the 420th present or whatever it is that they've opened so far. And it's hard to blame them to an extent because they've just gone through this so many times that the meaning of someone giving them something has been lost on a small child. And so as parents, we have tried to talk to them about the the meaning behind someone giving you something and the gratefulness that you should show in return and all of those things that go with it. Helping a child grow and understand. 
I thought about that story as I was preparing for this lesson this morning. Because I'll be honest with you, I, I, I have fallen into a similar trap spiritually at times in my life. We have a wonderful family here at Traders Point. We're blessed with a wonderful eldership. We have great Bible classes. I have some of my best friends sitting in this audience this morning. God has, has blessed me and blessed me and blessed me. And if I'm not careful, just like my children on Christmas, I can very quickly fall into the trap of not realizing just what those blessings should mean to me. And when I begin to struggle with that, it's going to be very difficult for me to instill that within my children. And you can see the problems that can come as a result of that. Take every opportunity to be thankful to God for the blessings that you've been given. And not just in a passing way, meditate on it. Go to God in prayer and thank him for everything you can think of that you have been given, that you have been entrusted with, the blessings that he has put in your life. At some point, you'll probably just have to stop because the prayer is going to be so long. But allow those things to mean something to you. And help your children see that. Help those here see that so that all of us can grow closer to God. Ultimately, that's our goal is for all of us, all of us, when we stand before God in judgment, to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what all of us want. But if we're going to navigate the challenges that life is going to throw at us, we're going to have to make sure that the words of God speak to us, that they mean something to us, and that they change us. So if you're here this morning, maybe you're in hard times. Maybe you're feeling the weight of sin in your life. Maybe you haven't given that to God and been obedient to him in baptism. You have the opportunity to do that this morning. To have those sins washed away and to experience the freedom that comes in being a child of his it's because of his grace and his patience that, I, that that opportunity exists to you today. And if you've, if you've done that, but maybe as we've been talking this morning, maybe you, maybe you have realized that the zeal you had, the fire that burned within you at one time, it has long since dwindled. The same is true because of God's grace and because of his patience. You have an opportunity to rekindle that fire to reestablish the relationship with God that he wants to have with you. And if there's anything that we can do to help you with that, we invite you to come to the front and let us know as we stand and sing.